Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Katie and I are so excited about today's episode because we get to interview Katie's parents, my mother and father-in-law, Chad and Janice Johnson, and anybody that's followed Katie and I either on YouTube or on Instagram or on this podcast for any time knows that we really think the world of Chad and Janice, and they've just been a huge source of encouragement and inspiration to Katie and I, and obviously I'm extra grateful to Chad and Janice because they raised my wife and they did a phenomenal job in my opinion anyways. And so today is going to be a really fun episode. Chad and Janice have been married for 25 years. They've had 11 children in those 25 years. Two of their children are married. They've got their third grandchild on the way. Uh, Their nine unmarried children are still living with them at home, or they're just living with them because they're not always at home. In fact, right now, uh, they're in the middle of a little ski tour that they're doing where they've been traveling around the western states, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, Oregon, California, skiing, I think 17 different ski resorts, um, just because when you've got a big family, that's that's the most rational thing to do is drive around and ski at every ski resort that you're able to access. Um, And so they're in the middle of that tour, but they dropped back by Bend for a very short time, just a few days. And so we're really fortunate to have this opportunity to interview them and uh, just give you guys the opportunity to glean some of their knowledge and and wisdom. And so without further ado, we're going to get this thing going. Here we are, Elisha Voberg speaking here to my lovely wife, Katie. Katie, can you introduce our guest today? Yeah, absolutely. It's my mother and father, Chad and Janice, and I am so excited to have them on. I asked you guys what you wanted to hear from them on over on Instagram, and you guys had a lot of similar themes. So today we kind of boiled down the questions and are just going to be asking things that you guys suggested we ask. Yeah, and like Katie said, we've got a list of questions that we're really excited to ask Chad and Janice. And you guys heard a little bit about Chad and Janice in in the introduction, but Chad, Janice, would you guys give us maybe just a quick origin story as to how you got from being children growing up in Southern California to living here in Bend, Oregon with 11 of your own children? Wow, that could be a long story, Elisha, but I, I wanted to say real quickly, thank you to you, Elisha and Katie, for having us on your podcast. We have been traveling, as you said, and one of our favorite things to do as a family is to listen to your podcast oh, man. <laughs> in the van, the whole family. Oh, so good. it's been, yeah, it's been super fun. So to be here with you guys is, is a treat for us. You know, again, Janice and I both grew up in Southern California and met at a wedding and it was kind of love at first sight, at least for me. It took me a while to convince her, but God is good and he's faithful and he brought us together in marriage. And our life has been a series of you know, moves, job changes, career changes, all these things along the way. Um, and we've been back here in Bend, Oregon only about three years, but hmm. really love this being our home base and are ecstatic to uh, be raising our family here in this area. Fantastic. Well, we're going to go ahead and dig into some of these questions that our listeners have asked of you guys. And the first one is, you know, I what's fun about asking these questions is that I know that I'm personally really curious and this is very self-satisfying for me as as I'm excited to hear your answers but uh, a question that a lot of people actually asked is you guys have 11 children now you've been married for 25 years how have you been able to keep the spark of romance alive in your marriage rather than just becoming you know kind of partners in parenting and just solving the next problem that arises you know what, Elisha, that's such an important question, I think, for families, because, again, people talk about family being important, and often children start to dominate families, hmm. and all of a sudden, oh, he's a good father, 
but maybe he's falling down as a husband, or she's such a great mother, but our relationship isn't doing good. God, in his faithfulness, showed me a list of priorities that you'll hear me talk a lot about, and I call them the giant five. But my relationship with the Lord, first, Janice feels the same way, of course. Second being our marriage. And it comes before our children, which are our third priority. So we in that order, God first, marriage second, children third. And we really try to order our world around that. If Jesus and I are thriving in our marriage and we are vibrant and united and close, then parenting is easy. If it's not, and all of a sudden that gets upside down, it changes everything. But I'd really love to hear have Janice answer this from her perspective. I don't know whether I read this in a book or somebody told, uh, I heard a preacher speak on it, but I um, heard that in Genesis is all the foundations, okay? The most important foundations are in Genesis, and Eve was a helpmate to her husband before she was a mother, hmm. and so that might seem like... Um, something really trivial, but actually that really stuck in my mind. And, and it's been a game changer for me because when I'm juggling things, I don't know what to do. I always think, you know what? I'm a helpmate before I'm a mother Hmm. and Chad's the priority. And so this is the decision I'm going to make. And so it has provided a framework for me to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And, um, I love the word intentional. Nobody has a great marriage. Nobody is a great parent without intentionality. And so it takes time to slow down and think about, you know, where are we? Chad is constantly asking me, where are we on a scale from one to 10? Constantly. And I'll say, oh, we're doing great. That's not a number, you know? (laughs) And um, so he's constantly asking me that and, and taking time to be by myself and to evaluate where are my children? Where is my relationship with my husband in the morning hours when it's quiet and I can actually think um, is super important. So, so important. Could I address one other thing? I think, again, a spark, using the word a spark or keeping your romance alive. You, were, you mentioned the word intentionality, Janice, and I love that. I think Janice and I are both extremely intentional on a daily or weekly basis to evaluate where are we. And if we're not close, if we don't feel connected, if we're not at that place that we want to be, what do we need to do to move it forward? And we aren't those that, you know, every Thursday night we do a date night. We aren't that consistent hmm. in that perspective, but at this, in that way. But at the same time, we're constantly attuned to the health of our marriage and we're always investing, hmm. you know, in little ways. And it could be everything from her putting toothpaste on my toothbrush. And I know that sounds corny and cheesy and all that, but it means a lot to me when I come home and if I had a big day and all of a sudden there's that little gesture and that believe it or not, is a foundation to keeping romance alive. The Mm. little deposits, the little touch, the kiss here and the touch there and the thoughtful word and the kind action. And then, yes, there's the big moments of, hey, let's plan a date night and let's get away from, you know, and get away from the children and go for two nights away. But those are, you know, it's both the little things, but it's the constant awareness, I think, more than anything. Yeah, in practical ways, you know, mommy of 11, having little babies, nursing them, like we could be snuggling in bed and all of a sudden the baby starts to cry. Well, a mother's initial reaction is jump up and get the baby. And I've had to learn to say, no, let's finish our conversation. Let's finish what we're doing here. The baby can, you know, cry for a few minutes and the baby's going to be okay. And um, so it's just making it a priority. Another thing that um, you've really been a good reminder for me is when we go, uh, you take me away on an overnight stint. And, um, my, as a mother, my mother's heart is always like, what are the kids doing? Are they okay? And he's like, Janice, 
just relax. You don't have to have any anxiety or fear, just be present. And so I have to discipline my mind to actually be present when I'm with Chad. And I've gotten much better at that than I was as an early mother. Um, so we can really enjoy ourselves. And Chad has always been super good at um, courting me. So we always go out on a date either, you know, for sure once every two weeks, but try to do it every week. And then there's just real simple things like taking a walk around the neighborhood. Uh, we lived at the beach, so walking next to the beach or um, taking advantage of the mountains are free, beach is free. There's lots of free things, you nice. know, taking advantage of community um, opportunities. But then there's always, you know, just this last week, he surprised me and took me away for a sleigh ride in Montana for a dinner in this cabin that was so romantic and so amazing. But just keeping it fresh with um, shared experiences. Hmm. And that's what I'm getting at, I guess, shared experiences. You guys have been such a great example of that for Elisha and I. And I think that's just such a huge huge blessing to us is seeing your example and seeing you guys put that much effort into your relationship now that you've been married this long has it's such an encouragement to us to start trying to do those things in little ways now and I know you encouraging me to be present with him and not put our kids first has been a big blessing in our marriage I think and and just from a kid's perspective too there's so much security and knowing it's not your fault like like, I think there can be a guilt thing with kids when parents, or I've heard about it, when parents, you know, blow up or have a disagreement or there's something wrong. And I think because you guys always prioritized your relationship before us, I knew that it wasn't our fault. You guys were going to figure it out. You guys were going to take care of it. And it wasn't like, oh, well, it's because mommy does everything for me, or it's because they love me more. Or, you know, I just think there wasn't that guilt there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. I love hearing the uh, the practical tips that you guys give too, because seasons of life, I mean, I'm sure that you guys have been through numerous seasons where taking a weekend getaway wasn't in the cards or maybe surprising Janice with a romantic sleigh ride to a remote cabin for a, an exotic dinner wasn't in the cards, but you've found ways throughout these 25 years, money, when money was an issue, when money wasn't an issue, romance is not contingent upon the bank account. Elisha, you bringing that up is so vital. It's a mindset and it's as it has absolutely nothing to do with dollars ever. It never is. If someone says I don't have enough dollars or time or whatever to be, you know, thoughtful and intentional and creative. I mean, love is so about intentionality and loving in a deposit, you know, depositing in practical ways Hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of our favorite days was Barnes and Noble and dreaming about our dream house and how (laughs) we were, you know, looking through magazines. What do you like? You like this or this, or the other thing was going to, um, really nice hotels and sitting, ordering a pina colada and sharing it between the two of us and being at the you know, montage down in uh, Laguna, Yeah. you know, and sitting there listening to the music, being in a very romantic setting, but it really not costing us too much. $7 date, baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Cause you would just sit in the lobby, right? right. It's not like you're getting a room there. No, no. Nope, heck yeah. no. That's right. You're using the free lobby. I like it. Katie and I've done that a few times too. So that's a good, we actually ran into my parents downtown in a a hotel lobby. That's right. They were on a date night. We were on a date night and we ran into each other using the lobby. (laughs) We saw the fireplace and we were both drawn to it, right? That's pretty fun. That's great. Uh, One more thing on a practical note. I have, I read a book, His Needs, Her Needs, and there's a list of five things that I go through. Apparently, um, 
sex was the most important thing. Apparently. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> come to find out, huh? Sorry, yeah. After yeah. years of research. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, according to him, these are the five most important things that a male needs, and that was sex, an attractive wife, companionship, um, domestic support, and respect. And so, when I'm evaluating my relationship uh, with Chad, I go over those like, how am I doing in this area, intimacy? Am I really being present with him? Am I having fun? Am I changing it up? Are we having different places? Are we, you know, um, for intimacy? And then with um, attractive, am I taking care of myself? Exercise, health, having energy. Energy is attractive. Mm. And life is about managing your energy. That's a whole nother topic. But, um, and then companionship, just doing things that he enjoys. And then him doing things that I enjoy. I remember... We took a tennis lesson one time because I was interested in tennis, you know, and so, um, you know, and I ski because he enjoys skiing. And so we've learned to find, um, you know, it's shared experiences. I see so many people, you know, the girls go out with the girlfriends and the guys go with the guys and they start out together. And before you know it, they've made this big V in two different directions mm -hmm. and they've lost touch with each other. Mm -hmm. But doing your best to stay connected, um, even going to bed, at, you know at the same time and adjusting your schedule to your husband. I know Katie and Elisha, you've had to do that. That's right. Yeah. We're nudging each other because last night. <laughs> we talked about that last night. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> I'd say 99% of our nights as a married couple, we've gone to bed at the same time. And then last night I was tired and I just went to bed before Katie because I was, because I was tired. And, uh, she, w that's not how it's we like to operate. Story, yeah. Yeah. It's a long story. Yeah. Okay. Right. Next question. <laughs> I would say one more thing here, um, unresolved conflict and unforgiveness hmm. that will drive a wedge and you can pretend like everything is okay. But if you get a series of these little things that you do, you're not transparent, you're not honest, you're not keeping short accounts, you're kind of brushing things under the rug, those things start to build up and that's going to take the spark out of your, rela your relationship because before you know it, you're starting to feel resentful. You don't even know why, but for sure. Yeah. Hmm. For sure. So. Wow. I, man, I just, I love the insight that you guys are giving. This is so, mm -hmm. this is so much value because I love practicality, but I also love yeah. big picture yeah. and just the combination that you guys are giving. One is more thing. Great. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Touch, touch. You got to keep touching your spouse. Yeah. That's super important in the car. A touch says so much and it seems like it's understated, but it's super important. It's interesting. And on that point, you mentioned the five, his needs, her needs, five love languages goes right with this. Those two books, I think, give couples a real kit on how to practically love one hmm. another. Hmm. You know, she mentioned the five needs that a guy has. There's five needs that women have as well, but there's also those five love languages. And you talked about touch, but there's, you know, acts of kindness and words of affirmation and gifts and all of these other things. And these really become tools in your kit to practically say, how do I love? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's so good. We'll link both of those books uh, in, the, in the description below so that people can check those out. I love those. All right. Well, this next question I think is really fun for Katie and I as well, because we've already referenced the, the nature of life is such that there are different seasons. And a question that we got from a few different people is what's been the toughest season or the most challenging season in your marriage thus far? And, and how did you get through it? And, you know, how, how was it caused in the first place? And then, you know, how did you get through it? Well, I am very clear on what that toughest season was, at least from my perspective, it'd be interesting to hear Janice, but, and I know what caused it, you know, it was, 
really early on in our marriage, the first couple of years, I came into marriage with a lot of emotional maturity, but a lot of other immaturities, and especially in the area of providing and spiritual leadership. And I know these are areas that a lot of young men sit there and go, how do I lead my spouse spiritually? And I had a, dear, a good relationship with the Lord, but I did not know how to lead my family. Hmm. And I'll be real frank with you, I had... had been good at uh, playing and doing other things, but providing was something that I was far insufficient as. And we had some health crisis early on. We had some financial crisis early on. We had some, I mean, it all kind of came down on us in our first few years. And to, and I put a lot of, I put a lot of stress on the relationship, but put a lot of pressure on Janice. And it was during that toughest season of physical and financial and all these things, which I, I think a lot of couples can go through, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that the Lord was teaching me so much. He needed me to know that he was, first of all, my all in all, that he was the provider, that he, you know, I think um, he was able to humble me in ways that I need to be humbled. He started to teach me to lead and grow and follow him so that I could be uh, ahead of my home and, and a leader in our home. But it was, it was so much on me because in so many ways, Janice was more mature. She had been on her own dealing with things in a real practical way on her own. So when she came to marriage, she came with a whole different set of tools and she was ready to go. And I wasn't ready to lead her. And I think that dynamic uh, may, be, uh, may be common, maybe not, but it was surely our dilemma. Mm -hmm. And it was given by God's grace and by Janice's wisdom in seeking the Lord and seeing what was going on and her really giving me the space, I think, to grow and realizing that she can't take up that lead in provision, though it was tempting to do so. She couldn't take that lead in spiritual leadership, though it was tempting to do so because there were voids here. And, and, you know, that stress both for her and for me made a very, very challenging, very, very challenging season. But again, God is so faithful. And we both went back to his word and said, okay, he, here's what he wants for us. He does want me to grow into this role. He wants me to lead out. He wants me to carry, you know, this headship banner seriously and step into it. So it's grow time. And Janice having the wisdom, like I said, to let me grow while it was extremely difficult was, I think the profoundly wise thing to do. And over time it proved itself out, but I'd love to hear a perspective, Janice. Hmm. I know that was a tough seat. That's interesting. We didn't talk about these questions together before because I wanted to hear what he would say. Um, but I chose the same season. Oh, wow. He got chronic fatigue uh, two months after we were married and became bedridden, could not hold down a job. He had biked across America and ate potato, um, sorry, tortillas and peanut butter and honey. I guess that was his staple product. Anyway, he his uh, health was kind of compromised as a youngster anyway. And so that on top of getting married and working at the ranch, JH Ranch, a Christian camp that um, we both worked at before we got married, all that together, I think he got married and then he just crashed. Hmm. And so I think it was a combination of a physical and self-management. You know, self-management is huge. Being able to put yourself to bed. He wants to be the life of the party. He never wanted to go to sleep because he's afraid he's going to miss out on something. <laughs> But he, you can only push so far and then your body just dies. And so being able to manage yourself physically and then also, you know, I think um, he was kind of feeling driven. And so when he didn't want to do something, he went and skied and that was great. That, <laughs> then he came back to what he wanted to do. But that emotional just kind of up and down time and the way that you got out of it is I started seeing that you um, – 
took your thoughts captive and started focusing on truth and who you are in Christ. Because you used to beat yourself up, you know, trying to decide, should I do this? Should I do this? You know, he, he was a jack of all trades, could do a lot of different things and just was having a hard time figuring out which way to go. And I was like, hey, just pick something. I'll do 100%. And the way out of that is you did a man test for two years. You picked the fire service and you said, I'm just going to stick with this for two years. I'm going to do it until I get a job. And then I'm going to hold that job for a year and then we will evaluate. And you became a paramedic firefighter. I was so proud of you and you wanted to quit so many times, but that was the thing that kind of pulled you out. Picking something, staying to it. And that was character building. Hmm. Well, yeah, and like Daddy mentioned, too, I know in just hearing this story, Mama, you went out, you did take a job for a period of time, and there was kind of a collapse of Daddy's confidence when you did start taking over providing for the family and doing, like he said, like more of the spiritual leadership in the home, too. And I think that's such a tough position that I've heard a lot of women find themselves in is how do I step back when I want my husband to lead. You can't push them into that role. You can't push them into providing. And so maybe if you could just like, you guys could just touch real quickly on, on how that dynamic was for you guys. I think that's such an important point. And it was, it was really interesting because I was very aware what I wanted to be. And I think, you know, for, first of all, it starts with a desire of a husband and a father you know, and it can just be that it could just be a simple desire and awareness that, Hey, I want to lead and I want to step into this position and I know where I'm called to, to be as a man in my home and in my marriage. And, and it's okay to be not there. Hmm. You know, we don't start there often. And, and I think a lot of men are not discipled or trained. Um, and even though we grow up in great Christian homes and all these things, maybe we aren't shown a path. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves okay at a loss not having the answers, but yet the desire's there. I think that desire is enough. The Lord knows, you know, He gave you that desire, and He's promised, you know, that He that began the good work in you is faithful to complete it, and that's the process He wants to take us through as men. And I, I can tell you this, it really was a passion of mine to step into this role, and I think Janice knew that. She knew that I was I was steadfast, earnest in my desire to grow spiritually, in my desire to manage and lead better and do all these things. And I think she did jump in and because the void was so great and her natural inclination because Janice is extremely capable. A lot of women out there and wives are extremely capable and they're ready to go, fill the gap and step into the void. And thinking by doing so, maybe they're helping their marriage or their man. And I think Janice saw what was going on in the dynamic and backed off and says, you know what? I got to let this rest on Chad. I got to let him carry this load and, and I'll support him with it. But she went from, I'm going to pull him through it to, Hey, I'm going to get alongside of him and walk through it. And that was a big change. Um, I remember the day the Lord really convicted me. Um, I took a job for two months at the claim jumper as a waitress because he had chronic fatigue and he was in bed all day and we didn't have any money. We were at his parents' house. And so I was like, well, the logically logical thing to do is like get a job and you know, whatever. But the Lord convicted me and I came home and I just said, you know what? What would you think about me not working anymore? And he was starting to get better. And I remember he cried. It's just like, thank you so much. Like it felt like he became a man again in our relationship. And that was a big turning point for us. And he just continued to get better and better. I think, um, you know, there's a vital stuff. Super yeah. important. Yeah. Well, and I just want to bring up one more thing with 
what was it the mama joy told you? Oh, because that's really stuck in my mind ever since I went to the marriage retreat you taught on. Yeah, I was a little concerned because I was a little better at the finances and Chad can, you know. Um, Anyway, I call my mom. I'm like, mother, what do I do about the finances? Like, I I think we're spending more than we can, you know, than we have. And she's like, oh, Janice, just let the lights turn off. The um, the light company will teach Chad, you know, or whatever. (laughs) I don't know how he said that, but. Um, she said, if you need to use candles in your house, then use candles, you know, but let the company teach Chad the lesson rather than me. Wow. I don't need to play the Holy Spirit in my husband's life. Life will teach him. My job is to love my husband, encourage him, support him at whatever level we are at. Wow. Wow. Just the level. And the lights never went out. We just moved into my parents and they paid the bill. So that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just telling you. I mean, yeah, it worked out. That's right. You had to get creative. Yeah. Uh, that just the amount of faith and I think trust in that process is really inspirational to me mm-hmm. because knowing, knowing Janice, like I know you, knowing that you see the practical need at hand. And I know it's the same thing with Katie. And I think it's probably common to a lot of wives and mothers where they see the practical issue at hand and they've probably got the capability and sometimes the desire to fix it, but they don't, but the, sometimes that's actually forsaking or hindering the big picture, the long-term vision. And, uh, just to hear that story is big time inspirational to me, you know, because I think I've heard bits and pieces of that journey, but I'm so grateful that you guys, you know, drew out some more, I guess, lessons from that season. Cause that is a huge encouragement. Cause I know that I've felt numerous times that desire to want to be the man, to want to lead my family and to be the spiritual provider, the, the financial provider and all those things. And yet I'll step back and I'll think, man, Katie's so much better than me at this. She's so much more equipped. And that just tears me down sometimes when I let my brain go there rather than seeing who I am in Christ, who he's called me to be. And whether or not I'm there now, I want to start the journey of becoming that. And, um, and then, and Katie's been so supportive and just being along for the journey, which I'm grateful for. So good. Again, your, your mindset around that, I think Elisha is, is profoundly critical, you know, and important. And, and it, it's been so neat to see God's faithfulness and uniting us in this and, and directing us in it. Hmm. Wow. That's so good. And I find myself, my husband has big ideas, big dreams. And, um, a lot of times it takes a lot of faith to follow them because they're so out of the box. But a lot of times I find myself just saying, okay, what's the worst case scenario? I can live in a tent. We can lose everything or whatever. <laughs> I can live in a tent. I've lived in a tent before and I know I can do it and be happy. Hmm. So it's taken out a lot of um, angst yeah. and just trusting God. You know, we have him and we are, I know we have each other. A lot of times when we've um, come across hard times in our lives. Chad has just said, Hey, you still love me. Great. I can make it, you know, hmm. and we have each other and we have the Lord. Hmm. So. Yep. And that does come back, Chad, like you mentioned to your giant five, you know, if you, if marriage is up there before finances or, be- or before physical comfort or before social prestige, then you're going to prioritize that before, before, before those other things. That's right. 
All right. Well, you know, Janice, you mentioned that Chad's got big ideas. He's a dreamer. He's he's a visionary. And uh, anybody that knows Chad, I think, is aware of that. Uh, and I'm curious as to how you guys have gone about making big decisions. You know, you guys have made some life-altering decisions, whether, you know, and, and everybody does that, I feel like, at some point in their marriage, whether it's a career change or you're moving homes, you're changing your home location. And how has that process been for you guys? I'll start. Um because again, it usually starts with me uh, coming up with some great idea, and they're usually very um, maybe not usual or typical, but very um, exciting to me, and and fun, and you know, and I think I I tend to fear boredom and and regularity and hmm. and some of those things. So when I have prayerfully considered something, I I usually really do think about it quite a lot, and pray about it. And then I realized that for Janice, Janice is incredibly capable at adapting to almost any circumstance. She's proven that over 25 years of marriage. And yet it takes her a while to get there herself, right? To pray about it, to, to look at the pros, look at the cons. And no decision in our home is made with me just saying, this is an arbitrary choice. Never once. We are united in any decision we make and I mean any decision we make, that can be the smallest little decisions on whether our children go or don't go to something or whether we participate in something or not. I think it is critical that Janice and I are united. Hmm. God gave me, she said earlier, God gave her to me as a help, and I would be a fool not to just really gather her wisdom and, and listen to her voice of counsel, listen to her heart's concerns, and her intuition that God gave her that is far more attuned to things that I will miss. And yet I will come up with this crazy harebrained scheme and then I throw it out to her and usually it results in her freaking out, okay? <laughs> and literally like it's some of our worst date nights um, are when I throw a bomb in her lap and like, hey, here's a great idea. Let's, you know, it could be anything. Let's go live in a trailer for two years or let's go, you know, travel around the world and sell all our stuff or let's get rid of our house again or let me quit a new you know and start a new job or new career or business and she i say that it kind of immediately goes oh my she goes into like oh wow whoa 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 because she's the logistics person she's the administrator she's the one that will really make it happen and so she's rightly you know like whoa what are you doing but then the lord is so faithful to bring us usually to some sort of compromise. And maybe we don't sell the whole house or maybe we, you know, Keep don't travel around the room. We, we world, we just go for three months, whatever. But we kind of find this agreement point. And, and from my perspective, this is how it works. I'm a gas pedal and God gave me a really wise break. And, and guys could resent that or you could see it for the gift that it is. That she keeps me on the rails, that she keeps our family working and keeps the stability of our family the way it needs to be. So I see that what used to be a more of a conflict point almost as this blessing. And I Hmm. know that there's going to be this back and forth in a healthy way. And the Lord's going to bring us to a, a, you know, common agreement at some point that we see. um, And it could be, I mean, from the very beginning, whether we had children at home, you know, home deliveries, whether we homeschooled them, whether we, I mean, all of these things were big decisions that were really, we were a disagreement on early on. And the Lord over time brought us to similar, um, if not ideally aligned positions, but it takes a grace. It takes a patience. It takes a give and take. It takes, um, compromise and, and the dream has to kind of shift sometimes so that it fits the whole family. But that from my perspective is how we do things. And I will not 
make a decision. We are going to do this. If Janice is over there going, this is the wrong thing. I just feel in my heart and I can't go there. Um, I feel like that'd be unwise. And, and, uh, and in so doing, I feel like that's what gives us the power to go execute when we do decide is we're united and we're going to make it through. Hmm. But Janice speak to that. Cause you're, well, I really appreciate that he rarely, he doesn't make a decision unless he sits on it for a while and then he prays about it. And so that's what brings my heart comfort. And then I always just go away. Okay, Lord, you know, I just take it to him. I pray about it. I journal about it. Like, please just speak to me and bring me confirmation that this is the right thing. Help us to be on the same page. And, um, you know, the verse says, uh, in Isaiah, I believe that, um, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, my ways. And so we're not supposed to lean on our own understanding. And so um, those verses have brought me guidance. Um, when I my husband is outside the box, that God is outside the box too. Hmm. And a lot of times that's where he wants us. I don't know what I don't know. Hmm. You know, maybe he wants to do this amazing thing. And for me to shut it down because I'm closed-minded and it doesn't fit into my perspective and my little box then that would be a grave error. How sad. And, um, and this has proven to be true as I've taken the risk with him, just like um, going down and spending six weeks down at the beach and then going to Tahoe and skiing for six weeks. I thought, you're nuts. What about the kids schooling? What about whatever? Those were some of the best family times that we had because we were away from everybody. We were together as a family. We were playing together as a family. And so I've learned to really trust him and to trust the Lord too. And I go to Ephesians 5. It says to, you know, there's there's not such a thing as a two-headed snake, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody has to make the decision at the end. And so um, you usually will get on this. You never make a decision unless we're on the same page. And I, you know. It works. <laughs> it has. <laughs> wow. That's great. Well, that's talking really big picture, too. And I just want to mention, again, from a child's perspective, you mentioned the little picture of you were always on the same page with little decisions. We would get punished if we went from one parent to the other parent and asked him a question. And I always knew daddy and mama were 100% aligned. There was no plain sides. And in fact, if mama said we couldn't do something and we did go to daddy and daddy said it was fine, but he found out mama said it wasn't, then he instantly was like, nope, your mama said, no, we aren't doing that. And they completely backed each other. And so I think that, again, was just something that was so comforting to know they're 100% a team and we couldn't play them as kids. Yeah, that is interesting because, like you said, there's big decisions to make. But then it's interesting how some of those little decisions really can bring a security blanket to your children. Mm -hmm. And knowing that you're, when you know that your parents are united and stand, stand united, that's a huge security and comfort, I think, to, to children. And when it came to the children, we would often go in the room. He's like, I'm going to talk to your mother about this. And we go behind closed doors, we discuss it. Mm -hmm. And then Chad comes out and gives his answer, you know, and that's what it is. So, Hmm. That's so good. Uh, well, I'm going to ask you guys one more question just kind of around the topic of marriage because that's kind of been the theme thus far is marriage. But we have gotten a lot of questions about child training and about your relationships with your children, both young children and now your adult children and, and your grandchildren now. Um, but I think we're going to keep this episode just kind of centered around marriage and then we'll save the children's episode or a child training uh, for a different episode. Does that sound good? Sure. All right. So the last question around around this topic is what's one thing that you wish you would have known as a newlywed couple now that you've been married for 25 years? 
Janice, how about it? Can't wait to hear this. Intimacy gets better with time. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But it's good right at the start, too. Yeah. No. <laughs> so that's one thing. Another thing is that your husband is not the enemy. Hmm. Huge. That's a mindset. And whenever we're at each other, all of a sudden I sit back and I go, wait a minute. My husband's not the enemy. Satan wants to cause division. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm not going to allow that. So let's just like stop right now. There's, and we just talk about it. We're really open. I'm like, this is more than just us being at each other. I feel like we're under attack and let's just pray against that. And now we're on the same team. You know, so well said. And, you know, it's uh, as newlyweds, I wish um, one thing I would have known. I wish there was a newlywed retreat like we put on every year. Yeah. And I, I mean, that sounds kind of crazy, but I, I would have loved to have gone to the newlywed retreat that we kind of put on every year. Um, it's such a fertile ground for foundation laying. You're changing everything. You're going from a single person to this united, you know, one flesh relationship, this covenant relationship that is so powerful and so unique. And yet there's so little inputs, discipleship, training, specific practical application. Couples get a little bit of that in premarital counseling if they're fortunate. And then it kind of goes away. And I see in our culture such a, a grievous error, I feel like, in really, okay, you're married. Now you're left alone until you're in trouble. Huh. And now go get counseling, get therapy. And therapy and counseling are expensive. It's painful. It's often too little, too late. And I think... Giving couples a perspective early on in marriage that this is a relationship worth investing in, your time, your intentionality, your study of it is invaluable. I think God was gracious in giving us that desire early on, um, but and we're so grateful for the inputs that were spoken into our lives by older couples, by mentor couples, by books, um, and I think if there's one thing that served us in our early marriage as newlyweds, it was that awareness that, hey... If we're going to build a great lasting marriage, it's going to be building it and it's going to be work. It's going to take our intentional effort and let's be students of it and let's work every day. And like Janice said, we evaluate often. I think the worst thing you can do as a newlywed is is literally think that your marriage is going to be okay just because you got married and your parents maybe had a good marriage or you came from a decent family or you have a good fellowship or all these other things. Great marriages take intentionality from the beginning and investment from the beginning. And that awareness, I think, has served us more than anything. Um, the one thing I know for a fact that I wish I knew as a newlywed was the power of the living God to deliver from sin and to not only keep us justified for eternity, but to sanctify us. Mm -hmm. You know, I struggled with some sin that was dark and difficult, pornography to be specific, in our early marriage that I brought death into our marriage. Hmm. And I wish so desperately, I didn't hear until I was 35, a message that brought deliverance and brought joy and brought hope in a way and brought power of the living Christ into my daily living. And that was game changing for our marriage as well. And I think the Lord knows why he allowed me that period of struggle and, 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 you know, overwhelm and, and the challenges it brought to our marriage. But if there's one thing that I wish I went into marriage with awareness of God's power to deliver from sin, that he's done it, that it's through faith. And it's crazy because that is one of my most uh, passionate subjects, obviously, mm -hmm. um, that I love to share with newlyweds. But that would be it.
I would 100% just second that newlywed retreat. And it's such a small event right now. It kind of kills me how you guys like have a limit on who can come. I'm just like, you guys, why don't you blow this it up? It actually just opened up. Oh, it did. We're doing a new venue this year. Oh, yes. good. And of course, it's too probably too short. It's on April 12th, 13th, and 14th. Okay. So it's literally a couple, six weeks away, but it is wide open to, um, yeah. And we can get a link for you for yes. those that are, might be interested. So we definitely need to do that because you guys, those are the tools Elisha and I use day in and day out. We took from that newlywed retreat and I think it has just kept so much buildup from happening in these first few years. And again, we haven't been married long, but it's long enough to build grudges and hold bitterness and have, you know, conversations you just can't talk through. And Elisha and I, one of the things you guys told us when we went is try to go and invest in your marriage every year. Like you said, be preventative about it. Don't try to treat it later. Mm -hmm. And so the following year, our second year of marriage, we were broke. Like it was just a really broke season and we sold random objects around our house to save up money over like a four month period time span to be able to go to our second marriage retreat and that's just a goal we have every year is to go to a marriage retreat to get people to put into our lives and to just invest so i do just think that is an incredible resource so glad yeah i can that 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 newlywed marriage retreat was hands down just such a I mean, I don't know if I can find the right words to to describe it, but it was played such a huge role in Katie and I's marriage and continues to to this day. Mm -hmm. The foundational tools and advice and wisdom you guys gave at that retreat just is so valuable to both Katie and I. So I'm really excited that you guys are opening it up a bit because it has always been a pretty small um, yeah, it was limited thing. by space. I mean, right. and we only had so many beds and rooms and we got up to about 22 couples and then it was just tapped out at that facility. We are sending out invites, I think, to about 52 couples this this year. And awesome. we're super excited about there's no limit. Yeah, wow. we've got a church and sisters that's going to allow us to use their facility. And we're really grateful. Man, that, that gets yeah. me really excited, too. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned, you know, here at the intro that you guys are traveling around, you guys are skiing, you guys are together as a big happy family. I know that you guys are my favorite thing to follow on social media. I mean, I love following you guys on Instagram and on YouTube. Um, and I'd love for you guys to tell our listeners how they can follow along too. Well, we are doing a, uh, a journey here, just kind of really something that unites us as a family. It's a sport, like you said, Elisha, we're passionate about skiing. And it, it's a great way to get outdoors, experience adventures as a family. And we have kind of created the tag line or whatever, the Instagram, the Big Ski Family. Mm -hmm. And the Big Ski Family will be uh, available on Instagram at the Big Ski Family, YouTube, the Big Ski Family. We're doing a weekly vlog video that just kind of takes you a little bit behind the scenes. And we plan on continuing that long past ski season. We do have a goal of skiing around the world as a family. And we call ourselves global ambassadors of family skiing, but we're really uh, global ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and we want to impact others in this giant five area with their relationship with the Lord, their marriage, their family, health, and in using their God-given gifts and unique mm. abilities. So mm. that's kind of our, our family um, adventure that we're on right now, and we would welcome people to join us. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. And like you said, you know, I love that every Christian is an ambassador for Jesus Christ, and I, I find so much encouragement from you guys as you guys are finding something that you're passionate about in which you guys are an ambassador for Jesus Christ 
by using your God-given abilities and by using your giftings. And um, that's really fun. I think that every individual has that within them, mm-hmm. their unique ability to that they can cultivate and that they can grow. And in so doing, can really bring glory to God and, and further the gospel message. So thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this has been so fun, you guys. Seriously, yeah. I've got a big fat smile on my face because <laughs> I love all. This is just such rich, rich information um, that I know has changed my life. And I, and I can say that, um, without question. And I know that you guys are going to have great impact to anybody that, that hears this message. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Katie and Elijah and you guys for the work you're doing. It is such a great work and just keep on, you know, pouring gas on, on the fire of people's relationships with the Lord and with their families. There's no greater work. Hmm. Appreciate you guys. Wow. Thank you guys. All right. Love you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating. It really helps us get out there and let other people know about this podcast and this resource. We just really want to build up families and your ratings and reviews help us do that. So as much as we love reading what you guys write, if you don't have time for that, don't worry about it. Just click the stars. If you guys could give us a five-star rating, that would be such a blessing and further this work of encouraging families. Does it sound too clippy? Talk to you next time.